Daniel chapter 2. We're going to be uh, picking up this morning at verse 25. And let's see here. I'm going to get back to where that scripture is. Right here. Okay, so when we got into um, Daniel chapter 2 last week, we started talking about a dream that was given to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, this dream, if you remember, is a statue. He sees a statue, an idol. And it's that of a man. And it's made up of different metals, different materials, from its head down to its feet. And so what I want to do is I want to pick back up, and we're just going to read through this. I know that we read through it last week, but I want to get the flavor of the dream And if you remember last week, we only just started interpreting the dream a little bit as we was reading Daniel's interpretation of the dream. This morning, hopefully, God willing, uh, if we have time, I want to get through the dream and focus on the last part of the dream, which has not been fulfilled yet, by the way. Um, It's still something yet we're looking forward to in the future. So let's talk about it. Look at verse 25. Let's pick back up. And if you would, let's read together. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. Remember, he didn't know what it meant. He asked all the advisors, all the astrologers, all of the the wise men of the area, of the Babylonian realm. They had no idea. And they had to not only tell the dream, but the interpretation of the dream. Remember that? Okay. Well, Daniel can, and so they're about to bring Daniel in. So verse 26, the king asked Daniel, who's also called Belteshazzar, by the way. They want to make sure you remember that. Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? And Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you were lying on the bed are these. And then he starts telling the dream, verse 29. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than anybody else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Your majesty looked. And there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold. Its chest and arms were made of silver. Its belly and thighs of brass. Its legs of iron. Its feet partly of iron, partly of baked clay. Okay, so I think I showed you this last week. This is what he saw. Okay, to give you an idea. And you can see the image with the different metals and materials going from top to bottom. An interesting feature about the image, I don't know that it matters necessarily, but if you notice, the value of the materials goes down the further you go, right? I'm not making anything out of that. I'm just pointing out the obvious. I think that's interesting, okay? Okay, Uh, verse 34. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken into pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. 
This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. So he starts off and he says, all right, we're going to go through this, and uh, we're going to interpret it. Look at verse 36. Now we're going to get into the material that we, that we left off with last, last Sunday. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it uh, to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are what? You're the head of gold. Okay. So welcome to Dream Interpretation 101. Uh, welcome to this class if you want to take notes. One of the things that's interesting about dreams, when God communicates in dreams, he communicates in what? Pictures. Pictures. When God communicates in dreams today, the way he did back then, guess what he uses? Pictures. And just like when you're a kid, if you know what a picture means, it helps you get an understanding of what the dream means, right? So already he's giving you a key by which you can start to interpret and understand dreams. Number one, you are the head of gold, right? So the head represents what? Authority, but specifically it represents who? Nebuchadnezzar. And here's something you need to remember. The king and the kingdom are the same thing, right? The king and the kingdom are the same thing because the king represents the kingdom. So the gold represents Babylon. It also represents Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so you're the first one. Now, interestingly, uh, Babylon was the very first world empire. We talked about this last week. If you remember, uh, Babylon's in purple, Egypt's in yellow. Um, uh, I won't get into the rest of them, but basically the, there's the, the, the battle of um, Pharaoh Necho is defeated. They take over. It becomes the first world empire, Babylon. Okay, but what happens to Babylon? Babylon is taken over by Media and Persia. Right? Media and Persia. Now, what's interesting there is we know from history this was the Persians. When this empire takes over, this corresponds to the 70 years that the, 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 the Israelites were in Babylonian captivity, right? When they were in Babylonian captivity, they were there for 70 years. When that empire takes over, it's the king who releases the Jews to go back home. Does that make sense? Are we all together in the same chronology? Okay. Okay, so let's keep reading. So what, what's going to happen afterwards? Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Okay? Well, what comes next? Anybody remember Alexander the Great? Alexander the Great is the very next one that comes in. He conquers Persia. He becomes the third world empire. He expands his empire. A lot of people don't realize this. Look how big the empire gets under Alexander the Great. He takes the empire all the way across India. Isn't that fascinating? Both of you think so. Okay, good. He conquered the whole known world, plus more, by the age of 30... And when he got done, he sat on a bed and wept because there was nowhere else to conquer. Alexander the Great. Isn't that amazing? Okay, so he expands his empire for a long way. Now, after he dies, he has four generals, and they start fighting for power. So his kingdom gets split up into four. Okay? Now that's significant because in a little while, you're going to find out that 
Daniel prophesies all of this hundreds of years in advance. Okay? So listen to this. This is the time period that's talked about as the intertestamental period. You know that, that time between the testaments, that 400 years that's, that's not talked about in the Bible? It actually is, but it's talked about in prophecy in advance. So it's actually in the Bible. But this is the time of the Maccabees. Anybody remember the Maccabees? The Maccabean Revolt. Um, uh, Christmas time. We, we celebrate Christmas every year. The Jews celebrate a thing called Hanukkah. That happened during the time of the Maccabees, during this time period right here. So Alexander the Great's kingdom, the Greek kingdom, splits into four pieces. Now listen to this. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom. Now this was different. Now this is a kingdom, chronologically speaking, that comes when? After the Greek empire, right? This means yes. Okay, everybody's so enthralled. Everybody's just so into it, okay? Now, there'll be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush all the others. Well, which empire do we know that succeeded the Greek empire? Watch this. Boom. Look at that. Huge. Which is why this one's not even called a name. It's not... It's a beast. Later on in Revelation 7, it gives different animals to represent these kingdoms. You get to Rome, it calls it a beast. Because it's just, it's so big, it's so powerful, it's so vast. Okay? Now, how long does the Roman Empire last? Long time. Right? And then if you remember, what happens to the Roman Empire? Who conquers the Romans? Nobody. Nobody defeats the Romans. What happens to Rome is it's so big and it has so many problems on the inside, it begins to crumble, right? And break apart. And, and who knows what happens a little bit later on. Now, the, this fourth kingdom, Rome, divides up into pieces. If you remember on that image, let me see if I can skip ahead. We're down here at the bottom. The iron, the legs of iron. What happens to the Roman Empire eventually? It breaks into two halves. You have the Eastern Roman Empire and you have the Western Roman Empire. Now, it breaks into two legs for a long time. Now, something unique happens with this fourth kingdom. And that is when the Bible says that Jesus returns, it says during the days of the final iteration of this fourth empire, the toes and the feet... That's when Jesus returns. Does that make sense? Let me make sure we're on the same page. This is Rome. I wish that, does this thing have a laser pointer on it? How do you use it? That's the question. I don't know. I'm not that smart. Oh, there it goes. Ah, okay. So here's Rome at the top of the legs. It breaks into half. Now this is, Daniel, this is all after Daniel. You realize this, right? Hundreds of years after Daniel, Daniel's predicting this. The Roman Empire is going to break into two halves. you got the Eastern and the Western Roman Empire. But then something happens down here. Some type of extension of the Roman Empire, some type of extension of the Eastern and Western side happens at the end of the age before Christ returns. Because if you remember, the very next part of the prophecy says, Then I saw a rock that was cut without hands. Now what is that in the Old Testament? Jesus, all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Bible. That idiom, that image, the rock, 
refers to Jesus Christ. So this is a rock cut without hands. This is the return of Jesus Christ. This is the setting up of his kingdom. So when that rock strikes the feet, what happens to that image? What's it telling you? In the last days, prior to the return of Christ, the rock of salvation is going to appear and he is going to destroy every world empire. Every one of them. And it says that that rock becomes a great mountain that fills the whole earth. See, you got to think in pictures. Right? All right, let's keep going. Okay. So you think about these two legs. Those two legs have been existing for 2,000 years. And if you think about it, the, the, the remnants of the Roman Empire, there's pieces that broke off in that Roman Empire, and many of those pieces have tried to have their day. Haven't they? You, the French tried a world empire. They failed. The Dutch tried a world empire. They failed. The Germans tried several times. Uh, yeah, and the Germans tried in World War II. And they almost put together themselves a nice little world empire, did they? So you look through and there were all these little pieces of the Roman Empire that tried to have world domination. Do you remember the Ottoman Empire from the eastern side? They formed together a caliphate under the Islamic caliphate. They tried to form together a world empire. So for the last 2,000 years, Rome has been trying to put itself back together. Do you realize that? That might help you understand some of the politics you see going on today, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Now, continue with me, verse 41. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. Let me go back. Where's 41? There we go. Just as you saw the feet and the toes. Now let's talk about the feet and the toes. Okay. Just as you saw the feet and the toes, partly of baked clay, partly of iron. So this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it'll have the sum, it'll have some of the strength of iron in it. Even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron, partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong, partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Okay? All right, so we've gotten this so far. So the gold represents Babylon. The silver represents Persia. The bronze represents Greece. The iron represents Rome. Rome continues for a very long time. That's the two long legs. But what about the feet and the toes? Because this hasn't happened yet. Hasn't happened yet. How do I know it hasn't happened yet? Because Jesus hasn't returned yet, <laughs> right? This is the kingdom that is in existence when Jesus returns. Let's talk a little bit about some of the features of this kingdom. Ma'am? Yeah, so, um, so Babylon's at the top. He's the head. Okay. The chest is silver, and uh, the chest and arms are silver. That's the Medes and the Persians, two separate groups. Okay, but they're, they come together as one. Then you have bronze, and that represents the Grecian Empire. And then Rome is the iron, the two legs, which break into the Eastern and Western Roman Empire. You got that? Okay, good. All right, so let's talk about the feet and the toes. Daniel says it's going to be a divided kingdom. It has parts that are iron. 
What does that mean? Strong, right? You have some of those old remnants from the Roman Empire that are still put together and quite strong even today. But you have some other ones that are not. They're made out of clay. They're, this is a banding together of nations, okay? Some are strong, some are not. But it's a banding together of nations. That's the idea. Now, what is this kingdom? Again, we know that this kingdom has not risen yet because of what it says in verse 44. It will be in the time of that kingdom, whatever that looks like, whatever that final kingdom, that iteration looks like, it will be during that time, it says, when the Messiah will come and he will crush all the kingdoms of the world. So let's conjecture just a little bit. you got these two legs made of iron that are talking about the Roman Empire which we know eventually breaks into the Eastern Roman Empire and the Western Roman Empire. And those legs have extended for a long time throughout history. The question is, what about the feet and the toes? What about this final extension, if you will, the Roman Empire? I want to share something with you. If you don't see it enough in prophecy, if I tell it to you, you're going to think, okay, he's just making stuff up. But I want you to see it. In prophecy, when you're dealing with pictures, a lot of times there will be extensions of things that tell you about the latter end of whatever it is it's talking about. Let me give you a case point. We know that the two arms of silver represented the Medes and the Persians, right? So the both arms represented two different entities. Well, if the two arms can represent two different entities, why can't the two legs? Does that make sense? So it's an Eastern and a Western thing. Okay, so keep with me on this. Now watch this. This whole image is about Jerusalem. That whole image that you saw is about who has control over Jerusalem, who has control over the Jewish people. That's what this whole thing is about. So that last day's kingdom, whatever that looks like, those ten toes that are partly strong, partly brittle, whenever it arises, the center issue will be what? Jerusalem. It'll be Jerusalem all over again. Now, in... Um, Antiochus Epiphanes, y'all know who that is? Okay, bad guy, bad guy, madman. Um, in, the, in the prophecy in Daniel chapter 8, let me see if I can give you this example. The Bible says that there's a beast, there's a, a goat, it has a horn, one horn. And when you're in the prophecy and you're really studying, you realize that that one horn represents Alexander the Great. But it says then that horn was broke off, and out from that four more rose up. Now, you keep reading the idioms and the pictures and you realize that a horn also represents a ruler, a king. So when this one big one's broke off, four rise up. Well, what is that a picture of? Alexander the Great dies and his four generals rise up, right? Well, that's after his kingdom divides into four pieces. That's several years later. That's an extension of the same prophecy. But then, a few hundred years later, out of the Seleucid Empire, it says there was another horn that rises up, a little one. And he's the one that wreaks havoc on Jerusalem and, and stops the sacrifices and sacrifices a pig on the altar and tries to kill all the Jews. Guess what? He becomes a picture and a shadow of the ruler that will be ruling at the end of the age when Christ returns. Now, my point in saying all of this is that when you see these little extensions of things in prophecy, that's what we have to do back with the toes. Let me speak very clearly. Here's what I sense is going to happen at some point. There is going to be a Western power and an Eastern power that will once again arise. 
probably a, con a, conflagra a conflagration of five nations on each side. Five toes, five toes. Some will be strong, some will be weak. The central issue will be Jerusalem. Now, that's just my conjecture. It'll get really bad. In fact, later on in the book of um, Daniel, we're going to see that God is going to allow this last ruler to have full exercise over the people of God. And it says, when their power has been worn out, then Messiah will return. I'm getting way ahead of myself here, okay? Let's get back into the text. Um, any questions or comments? I know that's, that's a lot. Huh? The Western and Eastern empires? Yeah. So, so pretend we're in history class, and I was showing you Rome, right? Rome, Rome lasts for almost a thousand years on its own, okay? Um, it breaks into two halves, and you have the Eastern side which eventually becomes the Eastern Roman Empire or the Ottoman Empire, the Muslim Empire. Okay? So the right leg, think of it as the Muslim Empire, all the way down toward the bottom. The left leg was the Western Roman Empire, which eventually becomes what? The Holy Roman Catholic Church. Now listen, I want to stop right here and pause for a moment. I am not disparaging anybody who comes from that background. Okay? Are there Christians in the Catholic Church? Yes, of course there is. But listen, what happened around four or five, six hundred AD, under the time of Justinian and Augustine, or not Augustine, but Justinian, when he married the church to the remnants of pagan Rome, and it became a world empire? I will tell you that that was never Jesus's plan. <laughs> okay, that thing became a monster, a beast. And for several hundred years, you had the Crusades, and Christians did so many things in the name of Christ that they should have never done. Okay? But my point is, is that in the end, now toward the very end of history, you have two very clear delineated legs, and I believe at the very end, you're going to have two very clear delineated conglomerations of power. One is going to be a Christian power, and I say that with big quotation marks, and the other one I think is going to be an Islamic power. Okay, that's just my conjecture. Now let's get into verse 44. Ten, uh, yes, I believe it'll be ten nations. It'll be ten nations, okay? And it'll be remnants from the Roman Empire, some strong, but some weak. And they'll come together toward the very end, okay? So what happens? It says, in the time of those kings... The ten toes kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but itself, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. Its interpretation is trustworthy. Now, watch what happens after Daniel gets through interpreting this dream. Verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods. And the Lord of lords, and is a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the king placed Daniel in a high position 
and lavished many gifts upon him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all of its wise men. And moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. That's the end of chapter 2. Okay, what questions and uh, what comments do you guys have? Yes, Sandy. Coming back to the 10, uh, yeah. throughout Scripture 10, it takes 10 righteous men to make a righteous decision, such as when Boaz redeemed Ruth. He went to the okay. city gate and 10 men gathered and recognized. Very so good. 10, it can be a picture of worldly government and worldly decisions. Uh, as far as the kingdom, though, um, gosh, so much. I, I, I would submit that the kingdom is here. We are daughters. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We keep forgetting mm -hmm. that. That's right. And tells us, I put them there. Jesus confirmed that. You're only sitting on the throne because God has appointed you for a time. But whew, just like Daniel said, he can, you can be removed. That's right. That's why we must keep our authority under God at all times. The kingdom is here. Mm -hmm. We see some similar things with our current president and the last president. He what? They're the president. Do we always like who's president? Right. No. With the former president, you had people angry. Not my president. Never would submit. Current president, same thing. Not my president. Angry. Now with the decision coming up, you know, the court of the land has decided the rule. Are people saying, okay, we submit? No. Angry and rebellious. So every day we will be challenged more and more. Are we in the kingdom, the eternal kingdom, mm -hmm. that is the kingdom forever? The kingdom is here, but it's partly hidden, partly revealed. We have to search for it, but we do know that eventually every knee will bow. That's right. That's right. My job is to help you get to heaven and take as many people with you. Oh, that spoke to me big time because I'm like, how good of a job am I doing? Mm-hmm. But anyway, constantly we must choose the higher authority. Yes, we to respectfully try to get along with whatever authorities are in place. You're exactly right. And that and that's the thing that's so key about understanding these prophecies is that is that God has the big picture already settled. He knows exactly how things are going to go. And, and, and what does that do for us? Yeah, we walk in confidence. You know, we, we, don't have to get, we don't have to do what the mainstream media wants us to do 
which is to spend our time arguing and fighting with our friends and family about the issue of abortion and liberals and Democrats, Democrats and Republicans, and this president and that president. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Um, but we serve a God who's in control, you know, and, um, and, and we can do what we can with what we've been given. We can make the best decisions that we can possibly make. I tell people all the time, you know, you get involved with this political thing, that political thing. What can I do beyond voting? I mean, really, what can I do beyond voting? And pray, and I pray, but I mean, in terms of my civic duty, I'm not running for office, I'm a preacher, you know? So I'm going to teach the, the, the Word of God, I'll teach morals, I'll teach what I think is the, you know, what, what, what we need to know as far as being a good citizen for our country as a good Christian, but, but at the end of the day, you know, I vote, and if, if the voting system's legit, then that's my contribution. If it's not, then I move on, right, because I serve the kingdom. And by the way, let me make a quick point about the kingdom. Um, she touched on something that's very important. It's already not yet. We, we're in the kingdom now, but it's not in its fullness yet. It's not fully here yet. And when Jesus returns, it will fully physically be here, right, from, from, uh, from Jerusalem, right? Any other thoughts? Yes. Yeah. But it's a long time before he gets to be king of Israel. That's right. So that's kind of where we're at right now. We're in that period of waiting for the king to come sit on his throne. We have a king, we're just waiting for the inauguration. That's right. I like that. Yes, ma'am. After years of study, and I'm just scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Come together, and it's like we're called, like David, we're called to hold the line. That's it. Until these other things come in fullness, you know, there, there's more going on. I just feel like there's more going on here than we're aware of, and that we're told, and uh, we probably couldn't handle it. Yeah, I think I think uh, Daniel gives us a little glimpse of that. Remember in Daniel nine where he's praying on behalf of his people because the 70 years is up. The, well, it's about two years left. And, and Daniel is like, you know, Lord, it's time. And so he starts repenting on behalf of the nation. And remember, that's when Gabriel shows up. And Gabriel says, yeah, I would have been here a little sooner, but uh, I got held up by the prince of um, Persia. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's literally, there's a war in heaven happening. And the Persia is the, the, the empire at the time, and that Persian empire has a spiritual head that's fallen, that's demonic, that's in control. Now what does that tell you about nations? Nations have principalities and powers that are over them. And it seems as though that the type of entity that rules over a nation is a reflection of the quality of the people that make up the population. I don't know, maybe. I mean, it just seems like it. But he says, I would have been here sooner except that the, the prince of Persia opposed me. And then he gets to the end of the revelation. He said, now I've got to leave and I've got to go contend with who? The prince of Greece. Why? Because the Persian Empire is about to fall. And now a new principality is going to rise over the new empire. See? So you're right. There's 
battles taking place behind the scenes. But my faith is in what God has told me. Exactly. And he is going to make this all, and, and uh, it will all go to his glory and to his, under his authority. And you know what an unpopular message is? And it, people don't like to hear this, but we're going to get into it in the book of Daniel. The future is bleak. <laughs> okay? It's going to get very difficult before it gets better. There, yeah, the immediate future. It, there's going to be persecution. I mean, Daniel's going to describe this last empire several more times. Daniel is very interested in what happens at the time of the return of the Messiah. And, and it describes a time that is going to be so, so bad. And Jesus himself talks about this time. He says, when I come back, will I find faith? Will I find faith? It's going to be that bad. So um, we have to be ready. We have to be making ourselves ready. And listen, I know it makes me sound crazy, but I believe with all of my heart that we have approached the days of the toes. I think we're there. Now, I can't tell you. I can't look at the news and point to any one of them, but I think we're there. We're very close. Okay? Yes, Pam. Mm-hmm. Okay, remember whenever um, that shooting happened in El Valley? Yeah, the shooting in Texas. Yeah, okay. Um, did it happen like a memorial service? Yeah. And it was public. And everybody knows somebody was sitting there and watching it. And you could see all these crowds just standing out around this man that started crying. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of what um, the scripture says, that it says in the last days, it says the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. Augustine. Yes, right. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. yeah. Now Nebuchadnezzar is going to have to um, have a lesson in humility in the next chapter. Um, in the very next chapter, Nebuchadnezzar, after this event happens, he decides, you know what, I really don't like the idea of me being the head of gold and my empire coming to an end and somebody else taking over. And so he creates another image, like the one he saw in the dream, but this time he makes the whole thing gold. <laughs> What's he trying to say? There's only going to be one kingdom, and it's me. Well, God's going to have something else to say about that. So anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, next week. That's all I have for this morning. Does anybody else have any closing thoughts? Uh, yeah, Sandy. Like our, our hands and our feet, we've got big, powerful, you know, a big toe, and just like we have thumbs, and then weaker. So that, that, we well, that's a good that, point. That yeah. Kind of, you know, and we only have strength if, if they work together. Uh, the ancient armies, they, when they conquered, they sometimes cut off the right big thumb. Yeah. Yeah. Together. Oh, and I I did mention. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rick. What'd you say? And the, the beautiful thing about Daniel's prophecies is that you can layer them on top of one another and get a more composite picture. Okay, So like later on in Daniel chapter 7, you're going to see this prophecy again. It's another dream. But this time, instead of a statue with different metals, he's going to see four different types of animals. And those animals have different features. You're going to see you know, a lion with wings and one breaks off. Or you're going to see a leopard with ribs in its mouth. But there's three and you're like, oh, my goodness, all these pictures. But when you spend time with the pictures, interpret the pictures, you get the understanding. Um, I, mentioned, I want to mention this one last thing that I forgot to mention, and then, I'll, then we'll go ahead and, and stop. But um, go back up to um, where it talks about the, the ten toes. Let's see here. Uh, oh, I didn't forget where I was at here. Hold on one second see if I can find it. Well, I'm just going to go off of memory because I, I, I know we're out on time. But it talks about, it's, can somebody read it where it says they will mix with one another, but they won't, I can't, I can't quote it, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So what it's talking about is the mixing of peoples. It's a mixing of peoples. So in the last days, one of the features of these ten nations, it will be nations composed of mixed peoples. 
guess where we are today? We are more mixed as, as, a, as races of people than any other time in history. Not just in America, in Europe as well. You, you wouldn't believe the Muslim populations in Europe right now. Uh, they're saying that by the year 2035, France is going to become a Muslim republic. Okay? So there is a mixing of peoples. And the thing is, what did the text say? Do they adhere to one another? Do we today? America's the melting pot. Are we, are we blending well together? If you were to take America and, and, and make it into a picture, it's almost like you've got iron and clay, isn't it? Pieces fall out. You can't keep it together. You can't keep that stuff together. Same thing in Europe. Same thing in the Middle East. You've got the Shia and the Sunni in the Middle East. They don't get along. You've got the Eastern Western Orthodox Christians. They don't get along. People are trying to, to, to be in, in groups, but they can't. See? And the text says that that will be the case at the time when the ten toes form when Jesus returns. And we're here. And we're here. All right. God bless you guys. See you in a little bit.